It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. We had a great guest on our program. His name is Mark Cashman. He's a big-time voiceover, coach, actor, and you'll find out all about him. He has a book called V.O., Tips, Tricks, Tools, and Techniques to Start and Sustain Your Voiceover Career. If you're anybody in the business, you know Mark Cashman, and he's back. He joins us now. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. Really appreciate it. Well, you have done a lot. You know, we covered all about your book, which is, you know, everyone into voiceovers, they need kind of like this is like the Bible for voiceovers, okay, called VO. And you have a remarkable story, though, how you actually got to this point where people are calling you and depending on you for coaching, for direction, all these things we're going to talk about and uh, interesting life stories. So that's, uh, you know, that's what we want to cover today. Well, that's we can definitely do that. You know, it's interesting. Um, a lot of um, uh, there there are a lot of books out there on voiceover and a lot of good books out there on voiceover. Uh, it and I've collected them over the years. Um, uh, and before I, I actually was inspired to uh, to write my own. In fact, when I did, I wanted to make sure that it was different than the others so that I could at least, you know, give some information that was different and and new and fresh and and definitely, definitely appropriate. The tips, tricks, tools and techniques are basically things that you're going to be using for the rest of your career. And that's basically why I wrote what I wrote, what I wrote. In fact, the title V.O., it's not V-O, the, the letter O, it's v O-H, exclamation point, because a number of people, when I would write my articles, and that was before the book, and basically the book is a compilation of many of those articles, plus some extra information, but many times when people, when I would write my articles, people would write to me and say, oh, I didn't know that, or I read this thing, and I said to myself, oh, I never knew that. So <laughs> V-O was, was just a natural, the O-H was just a natural um, uh, outgrowth of, of that reaction, and... Um, and it also it has informed me, uh, uh, and basically, uh, I've come up with a working title for my sequel, which is V-OMG. <laughs> is that true? That is, is that, re- that is the working title for my sequel. You're being serious. I'm being serious. V-OMG. Oh wow. Why not? You see, I just said it right there. You know, I didn't yeah. even... <laughs> yeah. The, oh, my goodness. You know, exactly. but <laughs> you... Um, you're an interesting man because you started off as a teacher. Is that correct? Yes, I did, actually. Uh, in fact, that's when I came out. Uh, literally, I came to Los Angeles 40 years ago. I had been a public school teacher. And and um, and I always say when people say, well, how did you find that experience? I always say, I really enjoyed teaching. I kind of sort of liked the kids. I, again, they weren't, <laughs> it wasn't the best thing. There were some nice kids and there were some not so nice kids. And so I kind of sort of liked the kids. And I hated the system. I just couldn't stand mm. the rigidity, the the, uh, the the bureaucracy, the uh, the pettiness, the politics. The, the, you hear the, about that a lot. I yeah, hear about that. Yeah, that, and that goes for almost any any industry. But I really could not stand it. And, and, I had and I just chafed at it for 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 years and 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 then one day I just said to myself self you can't stay in this business because if you don't like this then it doesn't be, then every day becomes work and every day becomes a have to rather than a want to and I always wanted to be in the what I call the 1% club the 1% club 
is people who do what they do, what they love to do for a living. Mm-hmm. About 1% of the people in the world do what they love to do for a living. I would say about 5% of the people in the world do what they like to do for a living. And I would say about 93 to 94% of the people in the world do what they have to do for a living. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to be definitely in the 1% club. And if I couldn't be in that club, at least in the 4 to 5% club. So, But something happened. All of a sudden, you there was a creativeness, a creativity. You always had this. But all of a sudden, you started writing songs. Yeah. It started coming out of you. And I'm not sure if, if you... You know, those rotten kids, if you were if you were thinking of them when you're writing some of these songs. I'm no, no, I'm, I'm going to be totally honest with you. No, 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 no I wasn't. But, I wasn't thinking but about something it. happened and you you became, you know, and you grew up during the, the singer songwriter, the folk music kind of era. Yeah. And you started writing music. And uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, that was fun because, um, uh, yeah, I was I, I was always musically inclined. Uh, piano, I took piano when I was a kid, and then I took guitar when I was a little bit older. And um, and I the, believe it or not, I wrote a musical uh, when I was eight. And and uh, it, basically, what I did was I took the the story of Jack and the Beanstalk and I made it into a musical. <laughs> so wow. I so I wrote the play, I wrote the book, I wrote the songs, and and I and and then I gave it to my teacher, my third grade teacher, who looked at it and went, "Oh my God!" Um, took it to the principal, and the principal said, "Whoa, uh, how would you like to produce this?" Hmm. They said this to an eight year old. How would you like to produce this? Wow! And that, and so I did. I cast the, the 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 parts and 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 directed the the kids and and the songs and the and the whole thing, and um and that was my first taste of performance and musical theater. Uh, 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 I had done performance when I was playing piano. I do little piano recitals, just solo piano recitals. But that play was the very very first thing that i produced and and i just i i i loved it i i was just and to see something come to life i mean that you conceive yeah as an eight-year-old i usually all we have you know maybe pictures or art that uh, the teacher will put the on you know first place second place but to do a whole play like that and have it see the light of day so that must have been a catalyst for you that you it you was had, it was you know, it stuck with me it definitely stuck with me and so when I was I uh, when I was a, a teenager I picked up the guitar and started playing the guitar and and as soon as I started playing I started writing music and started writing songs uh, after obviously copying a lot of popular songs and things like that and then I started singing I, I put together a, a group of, of of my friends who were all good singers and and some were you had a couple of local hits too good players you know I you know it's it, it's funny I, I I here's one thing here's nobody nobody knows about this um, uh, when I was 16, um, the Vietnam War was raging, and um, and I wrote an anti-war song, um, and and it was popular at the local level, uh, but when it went up into the uh, the state level, um, the powers that be nixed it because it was anti-war. It was not because right at that point the government was was. For the war and pro-war, and and if you were against the war, you were considered well, you know, 
a communist or anything else like that. So, um, so my my song didn't go very far, uh, you know, as, as, as far as popularity then. But that's okay. It did, I, I kept on writing. I kept on performing, and I did that in college. I went. I, in fact, I paid my way through school performing and and uh, singing and writing songs. And when I graduated college i moved to toronto with uh, with my singing partner at that particular point and we were playing all the college concerts and the coffee houses and things like that then we moved back to the states we were in philadelphia we did the same thing college concerts and coffee houses all up and down the east coast and and i did that for a couple of years after i graduated college but uh, after a couple of years on the road i i kind of just got yeah, i just got tired of the 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 lifestyle tired of all those groupies well i did that i never got tired of but but (laughs) but i did get tired of of not of not basically not knowing where my next paycheck was coming from and uh, something happened here which is really interesting because you know if folks only knew really what you were involved in with commercials i mean it's something that you do consistently and have but maybe you don't draw attention to yourself the way you should so that's why i want to do right here the fact that you when it comes to content on the radio or even jingles yeah. or music and, and things that people hear every day, you had something to do with it. Oh, I yeah, mean, in yeah. some I way, was, shape or form. I, and was, I was so lucky. I, again, so lucky. When I moved to Los Angeles, my my hero, my idol at the time uh, was a guy that not too many people know, uh, uh, older people do, but uh, a guy named Stan Freeberg. And Stan Freeberg was uh, was a, a nationally known satirist and and um, comedian and um, has been on countless TV shows and he, he was a very very well known uh, he was a, a well known celebrity but he was also he's not known about this and he's the he was the grandfather of humorous funny radio. And uh, he came up with some brilliant, brilliant radio commercials, Theater of the Mind. And that's what always captured my imagination, was the Theater of the Mind. It wasn't so much TV, but radio and 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 radio dramas and, and Orson Welles' War of the Worlds. And, and basically, again, just the Theater of the Mind. To me, that was something that, that I thought was magical. Uh, uh, TV was fun, but radio was mysterious and and magical and and i decided when i moved to los angeles and 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 quit teaching that that i wanted to specialize in radio uh, the, mm. the, as opposed to tv uh, tv always looked very very complicated and it looked very very time consuming and radio seemed like something that i could control and 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 it was and when i first came out here initially uh, uh, i you know would would go to all the different ad agencies and, 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 and try to get work from them. And, and I did on a part-time basis. And I did that for about four years until I finally landed a client that would pay me in, 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 in a month, uh, in a year, no, pay me in a week what I would normally make in a year at a regular job. Really? And, and I mean, but, you know, it, it seemed to happen rather quickly for you. I mean, is that true that no, you, you no, started? No, it, it didn't. didn't. It literally it, it took me about four years of, okay. of part time work and filling in that part time work with 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 a straight job. Um, I was I was actually a limousine driver. 
for the first I didn't know that. for the first four years of my of my uh, uh, living here in Los Angeles. The the cool thing about that job was I would that job would start at five in the afternoon and go till one in the morning, hmm. and leaving me from nine to five to meet with different agencies to actually go into studios and produce spots. So I'd be working during the day at my at at at, at radio and radio production. And then in the evening, that would be my straight job that would basically cover all my my basic bills and things like that. And and finally, after four years, I landed a client that allowed me to tell the 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 limo job. Thanks, guys, for hiring me for the past four years. I really appreciate it, but I got to move on. And that was in 1982. And I never looked back. Now, when you did that, I mean, you hear all these different characters in the limo, I'm sure. And so did, <laughs> yeah. did that, did you kind of catalog any of these oh, yeah. personalities oh, absolutely. and people oh, yeah. and then use it I in commercials? Definitely, definitely. There were some, uh, I met some amazing characters. I also made, met some wonderful celebrities mm-hmm. who, who, uh, who lived here in Los Angeles. I mean, I, I remember name names, Mark. Oh my goodness! Uh, um, well, <laughs> you don't have to. You don't no, no. I mean, the, the the most memorable was basically uh, driving up to Bel Air, and pulling into the driveway and walking into Johnny Carson's house. Really? And and John and at the hmm. ba- at the base of the stairs was Johnny Carson's signature jacket because he had a whole line of clothing. He had the Johnny Carson collection, and then there was his jacket. Uh, uh, hanging on a on a on a valet, you know, down at the bottom of the stairs, and the sweeping staircase, and he comes down the staircase, and I don't know what possessed me, but I just took the jacket off of the the, the valet and I held it up for him to get into, and 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 and, <laughs> and he was the nicest, sweetest guy in the world and i got to tell him you know it's funny whenever you i always think of the 30 second elevator ride you know when you're when you when you have the opportunity to tell somebody to tell a celebrity something that's always been on your mind for 30 seconds and and um so i i told him i said i hope you don't mind my saying this sir but um and i never called him johnny I only referred to him as Sir or Mr. Carson, never, ever, ever. And, and I, I said, you know, I know you, and, and this was when he was, he was, uh, I think he had retired. I'm not sure. I was 1980, 1980. No, he hadn't retired. No, he was still on the air. Um, I think he was like 1990. I don't know, yes, like exactly. He was still on the air. And I told him, I said, you know, um, I truly think that, uh, that if you wanted to be a serious actor, a dramatic actor, you'd be a great one, like Jackie Gleason was. And he immediately poo-pooed it. He said, oh, no, I would never do that. that, that, that but thank you, but no, I, that, that's the last thing I would ever do. That's the last well, you know thing. <laughs> he, I mean, when it comes to words, you look at someone like that who is known for interviewers and, and dialogue, which is something you're into, obviously. Yes. Uh, your whole life and career was, was about clever a good content, good dialogue. Yeah. And so hearing that on the radio, we appreciated that back when. And do we appreciate it enough today? I mean, good dialogue. Do we no, notice this? No, no. It's, it's, it's it, the, the writing. That's why for a, a lot of my production where, again, 20 years ago, I was busier than a one-armed paper hanger uh, uh, with, with production. Now it's, it's, it's production has waned at least uh, in, in, in my 
ball in my court, um, mainly because a lot of agencies, a lot of clients, a lot of advertisers um, are going directly to the radio stations. And, and the radio stations don't have staff writers. They, no. they, they basically, the, the people who are writing their commercials are account executives. And, um, uh, and the people who are voicing the commercials are on staff announcers already. So in terms of, of, of radio production, creative production, bringing in seasoned talent, seasoned actors, uh, that's few and far between these days. You just it don't really hear, is. you just don't hear the creativity. That's why I modeled myself after Stan Freeberg. I, I, I just thought, I said, if I could be one fraction as good or as funny as he is, I'd be great. I'd be doing great because he was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. My other, uh, uh, um, uh, celebrity story that I can write, remember right off the top of my head right now uh, in terms of, again, name dropping and things like that, which I don't normally do, but the but it's, it's I'm, relevant. I'm you on here. That's right. <laughs> no, it. Well, it's relevant only, it, 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 I, I would consider it probably the high point of my, of my career, or at least one of the high points of my career, um, was working with Orson Welles. Mm. And you talk about uh, it, it just... Uh, I mean, the voice the, side and the acting well, side. Well, yes, but and again, your idol, you know, people who you look up to, people who you admire, people who are of stature of, I mean, Orson Welles, Orson Welles. When I Legend. heard when I heard that I was going to be working with him, I first did loop. You know, I did do one of those. And then I, when I told some of my colleagues, they said, oh, my God, he's going to eat you up and spit you out. And and I because he's got a reputation or he had a reputation. And hmm. um, but when they said that, I thought to myself, why would he do that? What would I do to possibly make him do that? What could I possibly say? I mean, yeah, if I pissed him off or if I disrespected him, I could totally understand that. But. But that's the last thing that I would do. So I figured I went in thinking, I don't think he's going to do that. He had no reason to do that. I'd give him no reason to do that. And sure enough, he was a pussycat. He was the sweetest. Now, yes, this was toward the end of his life. and He was not doing very well physically. In fact, he was suffering from diabetes. He was in a wheelchair. In fact, he... I normally, when I, whenever I do a session, I'm the first one there. I'm sometimes there before the engineer. Well, he was there before I got there. When I got to the studio and I got there early, he was already in the booth sitting in his wheelchair, the mainly prone. because he probably didn't want me to see the person that his helper, help, you know, carry him to the wheelchair and, you know, mm -hmm. pick him up and put him in and take, you know, and do that whole thing. He just wanted to be ensconced there waiting so he was waiting for me when i when i got there and the and the 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 session was just wonderful only because of the dynamic of what happened and that was as we when we started the session i again just like johnny carson i always referred to him as mr wells i never ever said orson I never referred to him by his first name. I just thought they would be totally disrespectful. And, and since I did not know him, I was a stranger. And so 
there was no way that I was uh, other than referring to him as Mr. Wells. So as soon as I did, I said, Mr. Wells, could you could let's take a look at the first uh, page here and let's just get a level on you. And immediately he said, and he knew my name. He said, Mark, Mark, you don't have to call me. You don't have to call me Mr. Wells. You you can call me Orson. And I said, thank you, Mr. Wells. I very much appreciate that um, uh, opportunity. And, and um, I'll take it under consideration. Why don't we let's just get a level here and, and go. So we would do, you know, some things. And he, he, he knew that I was you know, uh, uh, basically avoiding that whole thing. And then maybe about, you know, 10, 15 minutes later, he would interject. He said, Mark, you really, you, it's okay. You, you can call me Orson. And I said, Mr. Wells, I so appreciate you giving me that, that option. Uh, and, and I will definitely think about it. And so we, then we go on for another 10, 15 minutes. And again, he would interject. And again, I would defer and you wouldn't let it go. I would not, <laughs> he wouldn't let it go. And every time he brought it up, I, it was, so it was a running joke. It was just a wonderful running joke all the way through. And, um, and at the end of the session, he said, you never did call me Orson, did you? I said, Mr. Wells, I just respect you too much to do that. I, I, I just, I can't, I just, I, I, I won't, I kick myself if I, if I did. Um, I, I said, uh, I just, I won't, I, I appreciate you giving me that liberty, uh, but that's, that's just something that I, 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 I just can't do. And, 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 and he chuckled and, and, uh, and, and that was it. I, I never saw him again. He died maybe about six months later. And, um, and I never forgot that. I never, ever forgot that session. He was. Did you uh, ever forget? I mean, I'm sure not his voice or the way he interpreted the. Uh, oh, the, the copy is that something that it will stand out more than some oh, of the others? Oh, absolutely, years? absolutely. Yeah. Again, you know, he was one of those what they call a one take wonder, a one take wonder. He knew exactly what to do. He knew exactly how to do it. I didn't have to tell him what to do. I just asked him if he could you know, just start at this point and then finish at this point. And, and, and that was it. And if there was anything that needed retaking, um, uh, I would just, just very simply say, uh, Mr. Wells, uh, uh, if you could just go over to line 10 and give me that line one more time, please. Uh, we, and, and then I would make an excuse. I'd make believe that I said, we, we didn't get it at our end. We just had a little technical glitch at our end. Let me just stop everything for a second. Okay, you go from being a, a school teacher, yeah, <laughs> to a limo driver or a songwriter, <laughs> and you know, writing folk songs, right? And, it, and all of a sudden, you're—I mean, we must have skipped something. But all of a sudden, you are in in Los Angeles, yeah. you know, or Hollywood, and the best of the best of the best, you are directing them. So, how did that happen? Well, I, I, I will be honest with you. I mean, when I first came to L.A. in in '78. It, it was it, uh, I didn't uh, I didn't uh, work with Mr. Wells until until 88. So I had already been doing this for 10 years. Um, when I when when I first came to when I when I came to L.A., uh, as I said, I didn't know anybody. Um, uh, but I just but I I uh, got to know a lot of people very, very quickly because I needed to hit the ground running. I mean, I didn't want to just come here and say, well, I'm thinking of doing this. I came here to 
to write and produce commercials. So hmm. I had put together a demo and, and then I hit, I just basically uh, 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 pounded the pavement uh, going to ad agencies every single day, uh, different ad agencies. There were just hundreds of them in Los Angeles and, and I would make appointments and I'd go in with my demo and I'd talk to people and, 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 just say, I'm a radio producer. I specialize in radio. Um, uh, and, you know, hopefully you got something for me to do. Well, what was interesting was, oh, let me see. So this was, let me see. I came here in July. So in September, I ran out of money. In September 78, I ran out of money. And that's when I, my savings. And that's when I had to get a job. So I, again, I realizing that I needed to, to speak to agencies and, and advertisers and, uh, during the day, I needed a job in the evening. I had gone, when I, when I was teaching in, in public school, I was going for my master's degree. And in order to pay for my master's degree uh, for graduate school, I got a job driving a limo in New York City. And so, and in New York and, and, and Westchester and New York and Long Island and that whole, you know, tri-state area. So I was already familiar with driving a limo. So when I came to LA, ran out of money and needed a job, I figured, okay, why don't I just do the limo job again? That'll get me from five to one. I can do that in the evening. And again, cover my costs, pay my bills, pay the rent, put the, for the phone in the wall. That's when they had phones in walls then. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, that. and, and, and pay my utilities, pay again, pay my bills, eat, you know, and, and, and have that. And then anything else would be, you know, what I earned on my own as far as advertising, as far as production is concerned. So as I went, as I produced things, I would be meeting with many, uh, 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 well, again, the people who I cast were seasoned veteran voice actors. And after about a couple of years of doing this, my, some of my clients that I started getting clients, some of my clients said, why don't you voice it? Why don't you voice our spot? We want you to voice our spot. And immediately I would say, oh, no, no, you want seasoned voice actors. You want, you want great, talented people. You don't, you don't want me. And they said, oh, yes, we do. And that's when I said, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have to start. Now I'm going to have to start learning how to be an actor, a voice actor. So I just asked around and serendipity had me join the very first voice over workout group. And it's a workout group. It was like going going to the gym and working out with your buddies. But you this time, in. You, I've heard you talk about that a lot. It's something that a, a lot of people. Um, I'm going to let you talk and tell the story, but I know it's something that you advise a lot of people to do even yes, now. Yes, absolutely. Because now voiceover workout groups are ubiquitous. But I was in one of the very first ones in Los Angeles in the early '80s, and there were there were ten people in the group, and each person would ch- would would chip in ten bucks. And we'd rent a studio for two, for three hours, once a week, every week for three hours. And we'd all bring in scripts and we'd all work out as actors. And these people were seasoned pros. I was the new kid on the block. I was the, the, the kid who just fell off the hay wagon. So the first week, I just listened to everyone, just tried to absorb as much as I could. And for the next six years... I worked out with this group 
And that's where I got my acting chops. That's where I got my voiceover chops. That's where I, I, I understood how to articulate, how to breathe, how to, how to be funny, uh, with timing, uh, the taking direction, uh, uh, interpretation, uh, different takes, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and just all of the things that come second nature to me now, that's all stuff that I learned right away, right from the beginning, because it was trial by fire. I had to get... I had to get that learning curve real quick and get really, really good in a very, very short amount of time because of the demands uh, on me from my clients basically saying, we want you to voice it. Well, I was not going to voice something that I didn't know what to do. So I, I had to get those skills really quickly. And so joining that voiceover workout group, again, that was one of the very first voiceover workout groups in the country. Now they're ubiquitous. Now they're everywhere. They're they're in real time live in studios or they're online. Uh, they're workout groups online constantly. And 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 that is something that everybody does now. But, uh, but so that's as what a voiceover coach, I mean, you really can relate to the whole kit and caboodle. I mean, from people who want to just go for it, which you have done. Yeah. And to be able to, you know, get a part time job or, or make it in order to make this happen. Because people some people have always been in the biz, if you will, never had to do these things. You can relate to people who have to hit the pavement running, pay their dues, go to workout groups as you're talking about and, yeah. and the coaching and and I'm sure it's just as rewarding when you see other people who are willing to pay the price. Oh, yes, absolutely. The, 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 the one thing that I love seeing are people who train, 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 and then finally make it. They, 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 they finally have their moment in the sun. They're, all their training pays off, and they put together a voiceover demo, they get representation, and then they are now doing what they set out to do, and that is performing. Whether it's performing, doing a voiceover for radio, for TV, for narration, for documentaries, for e-learning. They're doing promos, they're doing trailers, they're doing video games, they're doing animated series, they're doing all, and audiobooks, and all these different things to see that that pay off to see all of their hard work pay off is wonderful and again when when one of my students is writes to me and says hey guess what i'm the voice of this i'm i'm the voice of that i got a job doing this i got a gig doing that i do a little dance i do a little dance for them because Happy i know dance. that all of that work <laughs> finally paid off and it and, and it doesn't surprise and it didn't surprise me either that they that they did in fact uh, somebody um uh, one of my students uh, won this um, uh, this big award. It's called the Voice Arts Award, and he was he won in one of the categories. and And he did what they do at the Oscars. He holds up his he holds his award up, and he said, "I want to thank my parents. I want to th- uh, and I want to thank Mark <laughs> Cashman for da da da." And you know, and I'm thinking, "Oh my God, it's like the Oscars. It's so cool." So so cool. yeah, seeing seeing one of my students, you know, uh, seeing any of my students do great. Um, in fact, I always encourage every single one of my students to keep in, keep me posted let me know how they're doing and and uh, and and I still have I started teaching 18 years ago I still have people from 18 years ago when I first started teaching still write to me still keep me posted tell me what they're doing mm. let me know what's happening and and that is just that's the best. That's that's as, that's as a teacher. Yeah, that's the teacher that never left. That's exactly uh, right. That's exactly right. And and uh, um, you know it's interesting when you go back to teaching. That was one of the actual. That was one of the main reasons I got into teaching in the first place and teaching public school. I wanted to be the teacher I never had. 
because I could count on one hand, less than one hand, the number of teachers who impacted me in my, um, we're talking about elementary school, junior high school, high school, college, and graduate school. All of those teachers, I have dozens and dozens and dozens of teachers. There were only two teachers who had an impact on me. Two. One was my third grade teacher who let me produce my own play. What, how, what eight-year-old produces their own play? No, that really had an impact. But you must have been good. I mean, you must have been a little bit of a prodigy to come out with something like I that. I don't know. If I, I, you know, it's funny. I know that I'm not a prodigy. I know that I'm not a savant. I've, I've, I've occasionally worked with prodigies and savants. I know I'm not that. But, I, <laughs> but, but the one thing that I've always had is passion. And passion is, mm. the great, is a great driver. It's an amazing driver. Your passion will make you help you accomplish things you 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 never thought possible. There are a lot of people who are listening right now. I advise them to go to your website, CashmanCommercials.com. That's uh, C A S H M A N Commercials.com, and you're gonna hear all. You can see with the radio spots that you've done, and uh, I mean Eddie Rabbit even sang one of one of your. Your songs that you wrote for the, you know, the commercial. That and, was really, uh, that was really nice. It, uh, um, uh, uh, he was, uh, I have never had a bad experience with a celebrity. Virtually every celebrity I've met, not virtually every celebrity I've met and worked with has been nice, uh, 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 kind, considerate, uh, 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 polite, I've never had any, I've just never had any bad run-ins with a celebrity. I know that other people have. Um, a lot of people have. Uh, <laughs> they have TV, here, uh, TMZ a little, to prove it. But, here's uh, a, little, a little celebrity story uh, that, that uh, one of my colleagues told me. One of my colleagues owns a big, big uh, uh, um, audio studio, uh, 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 an audio facility, uh, a studio facility in Burbank. And uh, and and uh, celebrities go in there all the time. He's worked with every celebrity you can think of. It's unbelievable. And so occasionally he would tell me some funny stories or some some discreet stories about celebrities that nobody knows about because voiceover is it's it's part of show business, but it's an anonymous part of show business. It, it, it's not something that, that a lot of people know about. And it certainly is not a lot of glitz and glamour to it. Uh, as you know, though, over the past 20 years, 30 years, actually 40 years now, um, more and more um, uh, uh, celebrities are doing voiceover and voice Absolutely. work. Absolutely. Uh, and that started a lot with, uh, with uh, well, animated series and uh, animated uh, uh, movies. And so in order to uh, have some names on the marquee, you know, they, they got celebrities and celebrity voices. So here's a little celebrity, just a little celebrity tidbit, um, uh, and, and it involved Sean Connery, and um, and and he was in the studio, and he was standing near a microphone, and he started talking, and the engineer said to him, "Mr. Connery, would you mind just moving one foot to your left?" And he actually looked at the at the at the engineer, and said. Quote, I don't come to the mic. The mic comes to me. <laughs> and that's confidence. That is confidence. And so the engineer had to get up and walk into the booth and move the microphone one foot over. 
because wow. he would not move. <laughs> he would not move one foot. That's, really? Yes. That's that's that, so that's that's that little. You got to have a there. little bit. I mean, that's a little bit of a you know overdo it. But I mean, you would know with all the people you've worked with, though, they have something special, don't they? These these actors that uh, that can they deliver? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. In fact, my bucket list. One, uh, one thing on my bucket list is to work with William Shatner. Oh, he's, I, I mean, he, you talk about him on Priceline. I don't know if he does that now, but yeah, he always interprets something in a unique way. Yes, for he sure. does. Absolutely. And he is also known for chewing up people and spitting them out. He is known, <laughs> known in the business Sarcastic, for yeah. that. Oh, oh, no, no, no. He's it's much, much worse than that. Um, uh, and, and, and it's mainly, you know, I, I, I think he's, he was, a, he, kind of channeled Orson Welles but uh, but uh, I'm but if you actually Michael if you go online and you type in on YouTube um, uh, uh, director it, it directs Bill Shatner I'm gonna do that you're going to hear this back and forth where uh, 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 Bill Shatner is is reading he's reading this copy for a documentary that's uh, for space a space documentary he does he reads a passage and he's then he stops and he says to the to the director how is that and the director who <laughs> the director wishes that he never said this the director says well that was okay but could you read it kind of like this and the director gave bill shatner a line read that was the end of his career at that particular point, not Bill Shatner's career. Really? Um, uh, well, you, I, I'm not going to spoil the result. You're, you're going to hear, uh, you're going to hear the <laughs> result of, 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 of Bill Shatner reacting to this. I am going to go on there. To this Bill guy, Shatner, director, that's inter, right. you know, directs Bill Shatner. Yes, yes. Or, or Bill Shatner, you know, that rips a director a new one, you know, that, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> Well, I mean, so, I mean, do you still enjoy working with the, you know, all these, these top uh, actors and people? Or I would love you rather it. Work I with love people? it. They're, they're, they're absolutely brilliant. They're yeah. absolutely brilliant because when I work with top talent, uh, they already know they've, the, all their skills are already, I don't have to worry about what they're going to bring to the table. I just, I never have to worry about that at all. They're all, they almost direct themselves. Uh, I almost feel like a babysitter half the time. But you're doing something and people come to you for this. So how do you make them better? You know, well, that's a, that's another thing. And that's basically those are those are people who are are either beginners who are just starting out and want to learn intermediates who have been doing this for a little while, but want to get better. Uh, perfect, uh, pros who have been doing this for a while, but still want to get better because they understand that the best actors never stop learning. And so in that regard, basically what I, when I started teaching 18 years ago, uh, first of all, I read everything else out there and I want, because I wanted to see what was out there and what was being taught. And then I realized that, uh, and this of course was, was, uh, uh, I had already been working as a writer, casting director and producer. I had already been doing it for 20 years. So I had 20 years of uh, hands-on uh, uh, experience working in studios, directing talent, uh, uh, writing, producing, working with ad agencies and dealing with the, the, the whole thing there. And I realized I had, when I looked at the, the body of work that other people had, had, had written, 
I realized that the overwhelming majority of them were former actors. Mm. Or they might have been casting directors, but they were not writers, and they were not directors, and they certainly weren't, and, and yes, the number of them were voice talent, but they were not writer-directors. And, and I realized all the things that I had learned and done in the past two decades, I would be able to apply in my book. I would be able to do that. And I spent a good, I would say, four to five months just working up my syllabus and, 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 and deciding how I was going, what I was going to teach and how and, 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 and do something where you would take somebody from the beginning and, you, and by the time they got through to the end, they would, have a, they would be able to go out there and compete. And so that's, uh, that was the other reason that I decided to uh, uh, write the book was after I had been, again, you know, uh, uh, teaching for uh, all those, for 15 years, I figured, okay, I've, I've got enough information here. Plus, I've been writing articles. I've been writing articles monthly for a number of different uh, uh, outlets. So this was a combination, a compilation of all those articles. And then I looked at, and then looked at all the articles that I had and looked at all the information, all the subjects that I had. And then I realized, okay, what don't I have? And then I put that in the book and then, did, and then put the book together. And then even and after the... Being- Little plug here, V-O, <laughs> yes. a V and then O-H, exclamation point, tips, tricks, tools, and techniques to start and sustain your voiceover career. Uh, people will need that book if they're going to be successful in gleaning everything that you've spoken about here. And uh, But go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no. I, was, I, was <laughs> I want to give you a plug there. Oh, <laughs> no. Thank you so much. I, I really I, That I very much appreciate. Yeah. Basically, again, uh, uh, even after I was finished uh, writing it, um, as soon as I was done, I said, oh, I didn't write about this or I didn't talk about that or geez, I forgot to include this. So that immediately spawned, okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to do the sequel now. And so that's been, uh, I've been, that's been a slow going thing because it's, you know, whenever you have these self-starter projects, they're always on the back burner. The things that are on the front burner are the things that you have to do this week or this month mm-hmm. that you have to get done and this and and the self-starter you know projects are they're always on the back burner and so that's been on the back burner for a while in fact my audiobook is i'm halfway i recorded this book my vo i recorded it and 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 am halfway through editing it so i'm hoping that by the end of this year i will have the audiobook of vo available for download on Kindle and, and Amazon and everywhere else. And, um, and then hopefully next year be able to put out my, the sequel. We'll see. It's- Let me ask you a question. This is a difficult, you know, because you work with the pros and the, we talked about the, the great actors and uh, the best in the business. You've also worked with beginners, but yeah. if you could just name one thing and that's hard because we're talking decades of, of teaching here. One thing that the pros do so well and that uh, someone beginning could really glean from and something that a beginner just has to stop doing in, in order to be like a pro. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. The one thing that, that every, and, and of course, a lot of these people who are, who are now pros 
they weren't pros when they first started out. They were just as green behind the ears as, as everybody else. But the one thing that I would say uh, 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 that, the, that pros have and that, and that beginners need to really hear is articulation. Hmm. Are you talking about interpretation or are you no, just, you're talking no. about like I'm talking not about, slurring your words that's or exactly being right. sloppy? That's and, exactly right. It, not slurring your words. Articulation. Absolutely. I've been told I do that. Uh, <laughs> I haven't heard that, truthfully. I appreciate I, I, that. I, I, I've been told though. But, now you, but uh, you haven't been performing. You've, you've just been talking to me. But, that's true. But, that's but, true. And don't forget, Michael, you know, you know as well as I do that the pros, no matter what they do, whether they're in voiceover, whether they play golf, whether they're doctors, whether they're lawyers, the pros make it look easy because the pros have put in something that goes beyond. Have you ever heard of the 10,000 hour rule? Yeah, I think I have. 10,000 hour rule says that if you have been doing something for 10,000 hours, you are considered competent. That's what they say. If you've done the time. same thing for 10,000 hours, you've con you're considered competent. And you know what? If you break down 10,000, if you, if you break down 10,000 hours, it's not long. If you break down 10,000 hours into five, into working days, a five day work week, 10,000 hours is only five years, five years. Hmm. Now they you say do, you could do a lot in five years. You, you can, know? you can, but they say that you're competent. At after 10,000 hours. Well, pros are not competent. Pros are proficient. That's why they've got the P-R-O in that word. They're proficient. And that's not 10,000 hours. That's more like 20, 30, or 40,000 hours. And they give people what they want. I mean, they, they're somehow, they're able to zero right in. Because and not, they yes. have worked at it. They have put in 20, 30, 40,000 hours. That's why they make it look easy because they put in all that time. Now, that does not include savants. That does not include the, the, the people who are, who are insanely, insanely talented from the get-go. Are you talking about people who can read, you know, just one time and, yes. and absolutely just nail it? Because you see this. I saw you were on that uh, VO Buzz Weekly yes. show. Yes. And, you know, you watch these these folks. So it chucked around. And how some of them, I just can't even believe that they could. I'm sure that one of them is a, a savant, you know, because how how the, those words come off people's That's lips? That's practice. I mean, I'm yeah. going to tell you right now, they did not start out that way. That's that is practice. Uh, practice they always say makes perfect. Practice doesn't always make perfect. Practice occasionally makes perfect, but it always makes better. And that's basically what all of these pros have done. They have practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced. They don't have ten thousand hours under their belt. They've got twenty, thirty, or forty thousand hours mm. under their belt, and that's why they look so amazing. Vladimir Horowitz. Yes, he was he was a, 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 a extremely talented, but he never would have been anywhere. He never would have gotten anywhere if he didn't practice. And that's the, the, that is really what separates the uh, uh, if if anything, if any if any uh, 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 beginner wants to know how to be great, it's practice and practice and practice and practice. 
So you go back to Carnegie Hall. I mean, then all you have to do is take that old-fashioned wisdom. How that's do you right. get to Carnegie Hall practice? practice that's absolutely practice. the case. Again, not there are very few people who are prodigies. Very, very few people who are prodigies. And even prodigies have to practice, 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 and practice. Prodigies. Let me ask you, Mark, at the moment right now, I mean, I'm talking about from casting or from teaching and you, you can you, would you mind just listing all the things you're doing even right now or have been doing? I yeah. Mean, from- yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's, as I mentioned, when we first started talking, I, I basically wear four hats and that is one is, is in production, basically writing, casting and producing commercials, primarily for radio, occasionally for TV. In fact, I've had a number of, I'm very proud of the fact that I've had TV uh, radio concepts that have been turned into TV. Usually it's the other way around. Somebody comes up with a TV spot and they make a radio spot out of it. But in, in my case, uh, I've turned t- uh, radio spots into TV spots and TV concepts. But I Which mainly specialize in radio. <laughs> nothing, nothing national at all. More local and regional. But, 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 uh, but mainly, so in terms of, of, of what I'm doing, on a, again, on a daily basis, production, mm-hmm. Casting, writing, casting, and producing. That's one. Teaching. I'm teaching classes and teaching one-on-one and and, uh, doing online and and, and teaching at the college level. Um, Performing. I'm a voice actor, so I'll audition and do commercials and narrations and audiobooks and anything in between, video game characters, etc., etc. And then the fourth thing is I do a lot of public speaking and writing uh, content. Uh, so, um, so I'm either uh, uh, presenting at a conference or a convention, or I'm uh, uh, sending out a, a, a content on on LinkedIn or Facebook or 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 Twitter or whatever the case may be, or local uh, uh, magazines uh, backstage and things like that. So, just generating content and uh, and putting out just just trying to as I'm just trying to pay it forward. Is really what I'm trying to do, is just and and that's the great thing about this business, the voiceover business. It is the most generous, most most giving uh, 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 industry I know of. Uh, everybody in our in my business wants to bend over backwards to help somebody else either find a new microphone, get it, figure out how to put a booth together, uh, 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 find a, a new agent, uh, 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 refer somebody to, to somebody who makes demos, produces demos, or teaches. That's the one thing in this business that is absolutely amazing is everybody is so helpful. It's a journey, isn't it? Everyone has been on this journey and yes. uh, with the practice and and I guess we can all folks can empathize with uh, people who look for studios or uh, mics. They have all these different questions, but uh, that must be it. I guess they're all part of this journey. They that are, sounds kind of generic, but I think it's true. And they're not just part of the journey. They're part of the community. It is mm-hmm. a community. And and most people in the community, they don't see each other as competition. They see each other as colleagues. You're part of an elite group. Yeah. I mean, when people ask, who do you go to for you know, to, to direct a commercial or uh, cast or then people would choose Mark Cashman. But it seems like you're just as comfortable talking to that person who just has a little bit of a light bulb that went off Absolutely. in their mind. And they said, you know, I'd like to get into voiceovers. And yet you're with uh, Joe Cipriano and all these, you know, I mean – you you you'll take all the different uh you not you don't play favorites no 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 that's that's the whole thing and somebody everybody's got to start somewhere 
And um, it's interesting. Uh, uh, every day, uh, uh, people write to me uh, through LinkedIn, and they say, "Would you please add me to your contacts, your connections, your your whatever?" And and um, and they know what I do, and I look and see what they do, and many of them do absolutely it's completely the opposite of voiceover they're not actors they're not musicians they're not singers they're not presenters they they they're they're truck drivers or or teachers or um uh, uh massage therapists or whatever Funeral directors yeah whatever <laughs> yes absolutely absolutely they come from all walks of life and so they ask me so i t- i i write back to them and i tell them hey thanks so much for uh, for uh, uh, your ad request i'll definitely uh, add you there i see from your profile you are a, a funeral director, uh, but if you've ever been in, interested in voice acting, uh, that's basically what I do. If you're interested, contact me and I'll send you some info. I cannot tell you, Michael, how many people who contact me, they are not anywhere near in this business of actors or singers or any of them. And yet they say, I've always wanted to try this. I've always heard about this. There's been a secret. How did you know that I was... Well, you wrote to me, so that's how I kind of yeah, got a glimmer right. there. But but uh, <laughs> but they but but I have worked with a lot of people who were not anywhere. The, the only thing that they that they the only criteria was they would say to me, "I've always been told I have a beautiful voice, or I have a great voice, or a unique voice, and that's all I've got. And I've always wanted to explore this." And and I work with these people, and they are wonderful. They're like sponges, Michael. They're sponges. They just soak it all up. And 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 I'm constantly hearing my book and say, "Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that's cool. Oh, uh, that's oh, I'm going to use that. Oh, that's a great idea. Oh, that's a great little tip." I'm constantly hearing the O's. And it's funny I, how they <laughs> how they know it's a God given gift. Their voice. I mean, even if they're doing something else, if they're a banker or a funeral director, whatever it may be. But I think. That's the kind of special thing. They take note that, wait a minute, I, I can use what has been given to me here. Yes. And maybe make something happen. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Now, let me ask you, have, I mean, have people said to you, wow, you've got a face for radio, Michael. <laughs> that I have. Yes. <laughs> that was mean, but it's no, true. No, no, no I have been told that. I have a face for radio. Um but and that's uh, not a backhanded compliment. <laughs> that's not a backhanded compliment at all. That is them telling you you've got a great voice. Well, that, that's that's another way to put it. I mean, they, they but I'll take it. Yes, I'll take it. That's why. See, that's why I don't do videos of these things. You know, it's only audios. So yeah. People don't look at my face. But um, you know, I almost want to play now the the Eddie Rabbit. Uh, I'm dying to do that. But did you write this jingle, yeah. or yeah. did you write the country yeah. song? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. All yeah. right, so can I play this right yeah, now? Yeah, so abso- uh... absolutely. As a matter of fact, the backstory of that uh, is is very simple. Uh, uh, Paps Blue Ribbon uh, said uh, we, we'd like we'd like you to write you know something for Pabst, uh, uh but we don't want it to be a a, a a a jingle per se. We don't want it to be a catchy jingle. We'd like it to be more of a song um, uh, that would be written that would be like on a on a country album. Uh, 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 for this, for for Eddie Rabbit, it, 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 basically a song that Eddie Rabbit would write, that Eddie Rabbit would sing and perform in a concert. And I said, "Oh, great! That's terrific! That's a great thank you for not pegging really me and, and and cornering me into a jingle mode. L- thank you for letting me write a song." And 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 so we basically we uh, again wrote a song 
and incorporated Pabst Blue Ribbon, but it wasn't, it didn't wrap all around. It wasn't all about Pabst Blue Ribbon. It was about him. It was about people. It was about relationships. And, and, and it just so happened, you know, that they were, that they were celebrating with a Pabst. Uh, but, but, um, but it and wasn't. And I want to say that this is when I think that when America was great. I mean, yes, Donald Trump, America, make America great again. But this, this is where people really had, uh, you know, they were really uh, in, in love with, uh, you know, America and wrapping themselves around. I well, remember this, this was Reagan. Too. This was when Reagan was uh, at, at his height. This is, uh, well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and play this. People are going to remember this one. Okay. He was more than just my brother. Yes, he was my best friend. We thought the times we shared together would never end. But he hopped the bus for the city. All right. <laughs> that, and, and now, you, I remember that. And I, I kind of my mouth uh, opened up and I said, oh, you know, you're talking about the uh, the VO. And I'm, I remember very clearly that commercial. And how many of these jingles uh, and songs do you have you written? Oh, I've, I've, well, everyone that's on my 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 website, that's for sure. And uh, and then some. Um, and again, I, I, I always wanted to. Uh, uh, write more songs than than little ditties. You know what I mean. I, I wanted to write the, the stories, uh, musical stories, and 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 something that that had more depth and more dimension, and 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 wasn't just a a, a silly, frivolous uh, right. uh, little it's a good song ditty. And and um, it, and it, yes, well, thank you. In fact, it's not easy to to uh, to craft a sixty second song. Most songs are, you know, they're three minutes in length, and and um, and most jingles are are thirty seconds. But uh, this one again, they gave me permission to to write a song, and 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 that's to me that's a, a great challenge to uh, to write something interesting, something with depth, something with dimension. And of course, as you can see, you know, from from the lyrics, uh, it, it involves people, it involves relationships, and 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 basically. I've always felt that you know the world doesn't revolve around a product or a service, and any, and if you try to to position it like that and spin it like that, uh, people are going to roll their eyes. But if That's you true. if you basically uh, uh, come up with a premise that is that it's based on reality and based on on, on uh, relationships, uh, and it happens that they happen to use that product or service in the course of that relationship, that's going to be a lot more realistic in my mind. And, and so, he sang that song like like he wrote it. I mean, yeah. he sang it just uh, uh, like we talked about. He delivered. On yeah. That one. Well, and I, and I and I again when I knew that I was going to be working with when they said we'd like you to write a song for Eddie Rabbit, uh, I listened to all of his all of his material and and basically try to come up with a with a, a piece that he would have written 
uh, something similar that he was very, very, very comfortable with. Um, there was one time uh, uh, where the agency asked me to write something for Paul Simon. They wanted oh, to really? to, uh, to hire him, uh-huh. and wow. and and I so and I and I actually I said no, I'm going to have to pass on that one. I really? Said, yeah, because um, first of all, I, I I had a feeling Paul Simon was never going to, he was never going to do it. Mm. He 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 didn't need to do it. He didn't need the money. Number one, he was too no, he was too well known internationally to do a spot for Paps Blue Ribbon Beer. But the last thing that I was going to do <laughs> was was try to write a song that he would write. That was that was not, that was That's just true. I wasn't going to do. That would be like trying to write uh, the, uh, the next War of the Worlds and have Orson Welles do it. That's basically that's it. So I, 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 when they asked me to do something for Paul Simon, I said, you know, I'm going to pass on that one. I said, I'd, I, and and be careful uh, that you don't get into any kind of a lawsuit thing. Yeah. I said, and sure enough, sure enough, six months later. I was at the agency, and I saw one of the account executives with a long face walking down the hall, and I said, what's the matter, Bob? And he said, oh, we just got a cease and desist from Paul Simon's management company. Mm, I said, was, oh, you were smart. I said, you went, you did that, you did that. Yeah, we did. And I said, could I hear it? And they, he said, sure. And he played it for me. And I swear to God, it was, it was like, they, it was, it, even the singer sounded like Paul Simon. And I mm. said, oh, my God. Of course, you're going to get a cease and desist for something like that. I told you guys, don't yeah, go down dangerous. that road. You and and look what you know. I, 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 you can't, you know. There's certain people who you just can't. You can't say, okay, we're going to do something like Paul Simon and try to get away with it. You can't anymore. You just can't. So, which is cool. I'm glad. I'm glad that that's the case. That's that's. Um, uh, what do they call that? Uh, intellectual uh, theft. Property, almost. that's right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, um, and you were smart to do that because a lot of people, I mean, today people don't care, they're, but they're getting lawsuits. Yeah, I know. All over the place in I the know. music business because yeah. um, I was, I don't know, I was on YouTube just looking around. I heard uh, some interview with Hall & Oates and that Michael Jackson during We Are the World, uh, during that shoot, said, hey, I hope you don't mind that I used your, uh, I can't go for that bass line. <laughs> For Billy Jean, and they're like, "What?" Huh? And that's fine. That's fine. You know, they were cool about it, but uh, you have to be careful. That's for sure. Um, so we still hear jingles though today. I mean, you can still yes, hear them do. on some yes. uh, TV commercials or yep. or for radio. Are you still writing jingles? No, I have not. I really have not written any jingles for a long, long time. Um, uh, that's basically it, that, that baton has been passed on to, to the younger generation. So, so you got some very hip, cool 30 somethings, you know, writing jingles and, and, and doing very, very well. Um, yeah, I was a big fan on. of Barry Manilow and I know oh, that Barry Manilow jingles. was the king. Barry Manilow he, was unbelievable. He mm-hmm. was an amazing writer and, and, uh, he, he, he was huge. Absolutely huge. People didn't realize how many jingles he wrote, but, uh, but he was, he was Fantastic, and Barry Manilow also. I mean, he's just in every st- step of the every all over. He's just a showman. He's a, a an amazing I saw talent, him. He's good. extraordinary talent, just extraordinary. Another one of those people who make it look so easy. Uh, he's 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 brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Well, lucky for you, I sound like him when I do karaoke. So if you ever <laughs> want to write a commercial, <laughs> I want I want a contest. You know, for, so if you we, we could we could do one last uh, jingle for him. You know, yes. it sound like him, but it assists, it assists. 
But <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm almost kidding. But no, it's true. Um, so there's now there's one other thing that I, I want to talk about with you. And it, it, you do nonprofit work as well. Uh, and in some capacity, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, that started when, oh, my goodness, I I read an article in the paper about this organization called the Make-A-Wish Foundation uh, that granted wishes to terminally ill children. Now, how sad can you get? I mean, mm-hmm. how how incredibly sad can you get? Uh, the, 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 the fact that a child is, is dying of a terminal disease and you have to watch them die. And here's an organization that grants them their last wish. Oh, my God. I mean, that's just insane. So when I saw that, I read the article, I, I, I said, not, I don't know how many people know about this, but I just contacted them and said, what can I do to help you? I, can, can I create a, you know, a, a something for you, maybe a public service spot? And they said, sure, whatever you want to do, do, do it. And, um, and I did. That was my very, very first uh, uh, um, uh, production where I basically created a, a public service spot for them and th- that would allow them to run that spot anywhere in the world on any radio station. And, um, and I did it gratis. Um, I, in other words, I, I did not charge them anything. And the people who were involved, the musicians, the voice actors, the studio, I asked every one of them if they would donate their time. And they all said, absolutely. Wow. And so since I was donating my time uh, and they were donating their talent, um, it all worked out beautifully. Everybody said, yeah, I'm on board. Don't no charge whatsoever. So we got through the spot. We got, got through the, the, the production. We did a couple of different versions and, um, and, and I said, oh my gosh. I said, uh, you know, I got, I got so much out of this. Uh, that what I put into it was not, was nothing compared to what I got out of it. Mm. And, and then I realized, okay, that's a calling. That's something that that's base. That's paying it forward. Mm -hmm. That's basically, again, using your talent for a higher purpose. And I realized that is that, that in and of itself is one thing that everybody not but not everybody does but everybody needs to aspire to because that's going to give them purpose that's it's probably a different feeling because we're all thinking of ourselves and we're very selfish people and we're really honest and then to just to give without anything wanting anything back but you know this michael you know this for yourself it doesn't matter whatever level you're on it doesn't have to be you don't have to create a a whole uh, public service campaign you could just volunteer at your local food shelter you could volunteer at your local uh, 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 halfway house. You can volunteer your services. You can volunteer you, yourself, to help somebody else. It's called being a Christian, I think. At least that's the last time I looked. Yes. So that is that is our purpose. Our purpose is to pay it forward. You know that we get more out of giving than than uh, 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 the, the things that we receive from giving is more than our giving. 
That's Jesus said that. That's thank <laughs> it's better you. to give than than to receive. Absolutely, and we know this. We know. I mean, it's a, it's true. It happens all the time. Go to a food bank. Spend a day in a food bank, giving people food and helping people eat, and tell me how you feel at the end of the day. So, as far as what you do with with the nonprofit work, I mean, obviously, you've taken this further. That there, from what I understand, there are people who may. Be in a in a similar situation in and in a, well, I'll let you tell the story. How does this work? Well, basically, again, uh, uh, I once every year I find an organization that I think needs help in terms of letting of people knowing about that organization. I will approach the organization, ask them if they have any kind of public service uh, uh, advertising going on uh, on radio or TV, uh, uh, locally or regionally or nationally or anything. And invariably, these are smaller organizations, not big organizations like the American Cancer Society or American Heart Foundation or stuff like that. We're talking about smaller organizations. And I just approach them and, and ask them, do you have anything on the air that, that is letting people know about what you do? Sometimes they say yes, and sometimes they say no. And if they say no, I ask them specifically, can I help you put something together? And sometimes they say yes, and other times, literally, Michael, they say no. They actually turn me down. I don't know why. I have no idea why, but they do. And But when they don't, then I go ahead, I forge ahead, I come up with an idea, with a concept, I'll send them a script. Um, uh, if they approve, then I go, my next step is to produce that script and or scripts, depending upon what we're doing, and then to deliver the final product to them with instructions on how to get it on the air and keep it on the air. And, and, and because it's a public service spot, if you're not asking for donations, it's free. You don't have to charge, you don't have to pay to get it on the air. Um, and and that's it. My last, oh, what was it? At the end of last year, I got the best news of my life. Not that my what life, that? but the best news of the year. I did a spot for Greyhound Pets, the Greyhound Pets Association, Greyhounds of America. And this was an organization that saves, that takes racing greyhounds from dog tracks and, 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 and gives them new homes. Basically, I'm so glad because you hear these terrible stories that they, you know, want to make Elmer's glue or something. Yes, I mean, exactly. It, you know, so they yeah. take they rescue racing greyhounds, and and uh, uh, I did a campaign for them. They had seventy five greyhounds that they gave have found homes for as a result of of my campaign. I saved seventy five beautiful dogs. That was could could you ask for a better mm. Christmas present? That no. was my Christmas present. That would I could not ask for a better Christmas present ever. I saved seventy five dogs. Even if I saved one dog, I'd be happy. But seventy five dogs because of what I wrote? Are you kidding me? Well, that's why I do it. That's why I continue to do it. My next job is going to be harder. It's going to be for the suicide prevention center. That's mm. going to be a tough one. But if I could do make a wish, if I could talk about terminally ill children, then I can do suicide prevention center but if i know if i know that what i'm doing is going to help one person one person or one animal if i know that then i will i'll do whatever i need to do even if it's just one and you could easily charge you could charge for this i mean let's be honest i I, know my conscience no my conscience would not let me charge for yeah no not there's no way i would charge for it ever it's just not, it's, it's a, it's a conflict of interest in, in my mind. Mm-hmm. I, I, I couldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. 
Well, I want to play the song <laughs> because, uh, you know, it, it's a touching song. And, and this is how your calling began in this kind of work. So if you don't mind, uh, let's let's uh, Thank go you. ahead and play that now. Make a memory, make a friend, make a fantasy come true in the end. Make a dream to be remembered more than anything could say. Make a child without tomorrows laugh today. If you know of a child without many tomorrows, the Make-A-Wish Foundation would like to help. Our volunteers are people working together to make a child's dream a reality. And that's the best wish of all. Make a moment last forever. It's a gift of love from you When you help make a wish come true You've really poured into the lives of a lot of people each and every day and uh, and I'm sure there are a lot of people who are going to be inspired by hearing your life story and want to give and also take an interest, obviously, and voiceovers, and they could reach out to you, obviously, at uh, CashmanCommercials.com and uh, any other way. Yeah, they can. They anybody can write to me anytime at my web uh, on my uh, at my email, which is very simply Mark M A R C at CashmanCommercials.com, and um, and I will get back any time you write something. Any questions, I will get back to you always, and and uh, um, and you know. Again, any questions or comments you have, please write to me anytime. I always, I never, ever not get back to anybody unless they call and leave a number. And when I call back, they say your mailbox is full. Then I can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hate when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. You're, I can't do it. You're a, a very talented man. And again, VO is the name of the book in tips, tricks, tools, and techniques to start and sustain your voiceover career. Mark Cashman has been our special guest, and thank you so much for being on the program. Michael Lauren, thank you so much for having me. Uh, you are you you're really good at what you do, and uh, uh, I I I can't imagine how many people have gotten just a, just a lot of joy and, and 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 glee out of listening to you and all the all the the people that you introduce and 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 and. and and tell people about uh, you're you're doing a great public service too, Michael. I'm I have it on tape, and and I thank God that we said that really means a lot to me, and uh, I don't hear that very often. But thank you very much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You're a pro, and and and, and I'm honored to be working with you. <laughs> <laughs>